You know, today I'm going to talk about the blood of Jesus. It's a natural thing to talk about on Easter, of course. But I pray that it's not natural today. I pray that the Holy Spirit allows us, allows us to hear Him in some ways and to connect with the Lord in some ways and to understand some things that possibly that we have not understood before. Because that's truly what it's all about. And when we talk about the blood, we're talking about three arenas that we think about. Because the blood of Jesus is eternal. <laughs> it goes on forever. That means our loved ones that are with the Lord today, <laughs> that blood is so important to them, too. And then the other arena is possibly people that's going through situations in this life, circumstances, things you're facing, things that's happening in your life that you would love to see the Lord turn around. That's the blood of Jesus, His power that's able to help us live in this life. And then there are those of us that's looking forward, wow, to the possibilities that that blood offers us, isn't it? The possibilities of change and the possibilities of being different, the, the possibility of what we haven't been able to turn around, God being able to turn it around. So, But I just want to take a moment because there are many of our closest friends that's already crossed over that eternal mark. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate their life with us too. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for those that are in eternity right now. And, Lord, we thank you for what their lives have meant to us. And, Lord, many of our friends, oh, Lord, are there with you. And so, Lord, we celebrate you. And thank you, Lord, that through the blood of Jesus that we can not only deal with the now, but it is eternal and has with it, Lord, the capacity of lasting forever in our life. You know, that's what the blood does, isn't it? It lasts forever. I want to talk to you today about the seven places that Jesus suffered. Now, there are more than this. <laughs> but, hey, I went to school long enough to count to seven. So, so I've got seven that I want to list for you today. Seven places that Jesus sacrificed his blood to redeem us over the issues that Satan was trying to defeat us with. And that's what the blood is. The blood is so powerful. The blood is like Jesus coming to my rescue at the moment. Now, I may not understand the terminology of the blood of Jesus. It's hard to, in a rational mind, to understand how that a Savior that bled 2,000 years ago, what ramifications would it have in my life today? But let me say that, that the blood far extends any rationale that we could have. And the blood far extends any feeling that we could have. And we can, for a moment, we can get caught up in the emotion of Jesus' walk up Calvary and the powerful price that he paid and the pain and the agony. But that's still not the great emphasis of the blood. To understand how the blood works in our life, it, we have to stop and understand love because that's what it is. That's what motivated God 
And see, and that's hard too because we all have all these different phases of love that operate in our life. But that's why God is love. And God operates in such a high form of love. Most of the times we can't even imagine that kind of love. But the type of love that God expresses to us is not based on any feeling that we would have. Although it has feelings associated with it. And it would not be based on any rational thinking at all, really. Although it's very reasonable. But it's based on sacrifice. That's why Jesus sacrificed his blood. It's because the love that Jesus has is based on one thing. The willingness to lay down your life for somebody else. And to understand it, we get little glimpses of this when we hear a story of how a mother throws herself in front of a car because she's convinced a speeding car is going to hit her baby. And a mother will sacrifice her life and we say, oh, that's such love. Or how a daddy would sit down at a table and literally see that there's not enough for all of his kids and he would take his plate and push it aside. To give up himself. So that's the only way that we can understand the power of the blood. Is that we understand we have to think about that degree of love. And then we have to understand that generation after generation, ever since Adam. Man, this thing has gotten into a mess. (laughs) And you're talking about the mortgage increases... The mortgage on my sin increased year after year. Now, you could just think about that in since Adam and think how costly it would cost to redeem us out of sin. It came so high that there was no price that could be paid for it. And so that's why Jesus came. Because the most precious thing... With greatest worth is the blood of God. Because he's the only one that ever gave himself sacrificially all the time for someone. See, I couldn't. My blood is not worth much. Maybe my kids. I would hope it would be. Maybe my grandkids. But not. So the price of my failure had built up over the masses of generations where it was such an enormous price. Man could not any longer make things right with God. I mean, there was no way that they could remove their sin to to finally get right with God. And so Jesus came. And, you know, and we all consider that that blood is so costly. That's why we call that blood money. <laughs> we think that that's the highest form. Well, that's literally what Jesus gave. And so if we're going to understand a little bit about the blood of the Lord and how him sacrificing, then we have to relate it into it is the price that he, God was willing to pay because of his love for us. And, and that, and God saw the speeding car coming toward us and he, Jumped in front of the car and gave up his life for us. And so it's, then that's, that was the, that became the price. 
And so it was, but the blood of Jesus is a done deal. <laughs> it's something that's already happened. But the thing about it, because God did it, won't make me get it. I have to receive it, even though he did it. And so people that think, maybe you're in a situation here today and you think you can just beg God out of it. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> when it comes to the greatest power in the, in the, in the world, the power of the blood of Jesus, is, it's based on something that's already happened. I can't get good enough to get it. All I can do is receive it. And so it's not something you're going to ever understand. Man, God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, but it's something that I can get glimpses of by the sacrifice of love. And so I just cooperate with God. I mean, both that, well, that don't make sense, honey. When did you get to be God? <laughs> I mean, who made you smart enough to think higher than God? <laughs> And so we don't do that. We just cooperate with God. God said, this is the way. I say, okay, (laughs) you win. (laughs) He's the only one that on the chest pieces of life can move my little pawn around. And he's the only one that can move me into any kind of winning position in life. And I'm here to tell you, you may think you can do it by yourself, but I'm here to tell you, God's the only one that has the power to move your pawn to a place where it can finally win this game of life. But God has the power to do that. And so I cooperate with God. I don't try to tell God, God, that's wrong. You're not doing it right. It doesn't make any sense. But see, one thing is we're not raised in a covenant culture. We have no idea. We can't even think covenant cultures. We're raised in a democratic culture. So we have no power to even think about that. So most of the things when it comes to the Bible, you accept them by faith. But that's part of the supernatural because God gives you the ability to believe in something you can't see and can't understand, but you still have the power to believe in it. If you're trying to understand it 25 years from now, you'll still be trying to understand it. But there's something that God did that we receive it for the glory of God. Now, I've got to quickly tell you about these seven little places. And I'm not going to have time to preach about them, talk about them, or teach about them. I'm just going to have time to mention about mention them. But see, that's what God's told me to do. Um, for years, I tried to convince people to believe. Now, then I found out you can't convince people to believe. It's unreasonable. <laughs> but God's called us to proclaim simply what he did. And as we will simply proclaim, God gives the faith to believe. It's a gift of God. And it's the gift of the Lord that will allow you to believe that His blood is for you today. And His blood can turn it around. Somebody say that out loud, turn it around. Somebody that needs to turn around, would you just leap to your feet and shout, turn around? Somebody that needs to turn around. Just say, turn it around, Lord. Turn around my life. Turn around my circumstances. Turn around my family. Turn around. Turn around. You have the power to turn it around. Wow. Now, that's certainly not reasonable or rational. But it feels real good, doesn't it? At least wakes us, wakes us up. 
So, so we're talking about then these issues. And, and to understand a little bit, we have to understand that God is redemption is what I'm talking about. Uh, the Lord is the Redeemer. Uh, the, the Redeemer. He's the one that not only, and to understand the, a little bit about redemption, we have to understand a little bit about the slave market, if you want to uh, have understanding somewhat of it. See, I, I have um, Indian uh, uh, descent. How many of you are, have Indian descent in you? Yeah, in South, that's part of what we do. And, and certainly, my former culture, they knew what it was to be placed in a place and to be sold. Uh, I mean, to be in bondage to problems and difficult to be in bondage to people to be sold. And, and cultures go through that. But it helps you also to understand what the power of a redeemer does. Uh, a redeemer walks into a slave market. That's the picture of redemption. Uh, a redeemer walks into a slave market. And literally, he buys us out of slavery. And he has enough to purchase us out of that bondage. And I want you to know, I don't know about you, but man, I got tired of that slave block. I mean, Satan had done so much against my life, so much against my family, so much against the circumstances, to where that I had really come to the end of that road. But I'm going to tell you what, Jesus wasn't at his end. And Jesus walked into that slave market and he said, I think I'll buy him. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, and, and out of that, then he took me out. But not only did he pay the price. Everybody say pay the price. That's what the blood of Jesus is. That's the price. That, that's the price that no one else could bid against. No one else could come up with a higher price than the blood of Jesus. So Jesus walked into the slave market. He saw me standing up on that slave block. He said, I'm going to buy him. And so, and, and when it came to the, the, the mounts, it was nothing to be argued with because Jesus' blood was the greatest commodity in all the universe. And so he laid that blood down and when he did, he bought. But not only did Jesus buy me, that's, that's the wonderful story about redemption. Not only did Jesus buy me, he took me by the hand and led me out of the slave market where I was no longer a slave anymore. Somebody stand up and shout, praise God. If the Lord bought you out of that mess, he changed you. He made a difference in your life. Man, wow. And the Lord did that, didn't he? He, he brought us out of that old slave. Man, I, got, I don't know what was bit, what the enemy was using against your life to keep you in bondage. I don't know if it was anger, resentment, bitterness, uh, drugs, alcohol, messed up lives, turned around situations, former family problems, divorces. Oh, the devil uses all of that. But I want you to know, I ain't that anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the Lord paid the price and he Brought me, brought me, and brought me out of the slave market. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I've got about ten minutes to talk about the seven things. Let's talk about it. The first one is that the blood was paid in my life. It was the agony of the garden. See, the agony of the garden was that when the Bible declares in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, that, 
It said that Jesus, he even prayed more passionately, like one that was being sacrificed. Until he was in this intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood. The first place I can find biblically that Jesus paid a price for me was he paid the price of the wrestle that goes on in my soul. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with the right decision. The agony of doing the noble thing, the right thing. See, the enemy comes into our lives and he convinces us that we're powerless to do the right thing. And he tries to convince us that we only have the wrong thing, the only thing that we can do. But I want you to know, Jesus saw my dilemma. He saw my weak will. He saw that my will, that rest, it was the same, it was the same rationing of the will that took place in Adam that day when, when the rationing of the will, Adam's will was not strong enough to do what Jesus said. Even though the Lord would come walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day. And you know what the Lord said? said, you can eat of everything of, the, of this whole garden. He said, but there's one tree that you can't eat of. And because that, that Adam has such a weak will, he was doing the very thing that he wasn't supposed to do. And all the other 99 trees. And, and so what Adam did that day, he swapped intimacy with God for an apple. Or an orange, or a peach, or something. He he swapped it. And that's what weak wills do in all of us. They're always taking away from us the very thing that God is so deeply trying to give us. And so the first place that Jesus saw that I was powerless, that I couldn't change it, that He would pay the price for it, He paid the price for my struggle over my weak will. But I'm here to tell you today, I don't have to have a weak will any longer. <laughs> because I may not understand it, but I can receive it. I may not understand it, but I can believe it. That Jesus paid a price that day. And all of a sudden, weak wills can become strong-willed people for the glory of God. And so the first place, the second place I find that blood was shed was during the beating and the bruising for being wrongfully blamed. In the beating, they they literally, the book of Matthew says, then they began to spit on Jesus' face and to beat him with their fists. And some even slapped him, jeered at him. And they would say, prophesy to us, you Messiah, you who hit you this time. Isaiah, all the way back in prophecy, let us know what was happening at that point. Because he said, I gave my back to those who struck me. And my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. They literally pulled the beard of Jesus out of his face. They literally would beat him and strike him. And the Bible says that he became bruised. Now, bruised is bleeding on the inside. Uh, That's what bruising is. So Jesus knew that in my life, There was going to be hurts that still hurt. And Jesus knew that there was bruising 
Uh, stay with me with the music. It'll be fine because I'm, I'm cl- i got to close. I don't have time to go on with it. So. so the Lord shed his blood for my hurts that still hurt. That's what bruising is. We usually cover up a bruise. We usually hide it to where others can't see it. But it still hurts. Many times it hurts worse. And sometimes what the devil has done in our lives has caused such breaking on the inside of us, such damage, that it tries to change the rest of our life. It tries to take what God had meant to be beautiful because the Lord said, I know my plans I have for you. <laughs> plans of peace and to give you a future. But the enemy bruises us on the inside. And although no one can see the blood, it's bleeding and we're hurting. And Jesus said, I see you hurt. I'm going to shed blood. I don't understand it. (laughs) I can't receive it. I don't understand how the price could be paid and he could buy me out of that hurt on the deep inside. But God makes it available. Amen. He does it. The third one, let me mention. It says... It's the judgment hall, the crown of thorns. We all know the story of Jesus in the judgment hall and the crown of thorns. The Bible says in John chapter 19, verse 2, it said the soldiers also wove, wove thorn branches into a crown and they set it on his head and they placed the purple robe. And in Matthew 27, it says they took that crown and they forcibly shoved it into his head. And all of a sudden, these three-inch thorns dug down into Jesus' head. And when it did, the blood began to flow down his face. And I'm sure it got in his eyes. And I'm sure he was a bloody mess as we could think about it at that point. I say, Jesus, why did you let that happen? Because the Bible tells us that at any moment, he could have called 10,000 angels. That there was 10,000 angels that were just standing ready to hearken to their master's call. So Jesus, why would you let that happen? Uh, one of the hardest things in life is to be blamed for something you didn't do anyway. One of the deepest hurts that we experience, especially when it comes out of a friend that we're close to, like Judas or or there's somebody that you would trust in. When somebody that's close to you deeply hurts you and then they blame it on you, it messes your mind up. It changes the way you think. And then Jesus said, that's why I did it. Because I wanted to work in your thoughts. I wanted to regain what the devil had tried to mess you up. I, I wanted to bring you back to right kind of thinking. I wanted to bring you back 
to good thoughts and good life. So if you're here today and your mind messes with you, oh, I know, I know, that was years of my life, the fears and the anxieties and the feelings of worthlessness and the feelings of betrayal was so warped in my mind it came to the point you couldn't trust anybody or or that you was always scared to get close to somebody because you expected them to fail you as you had been failed in the past. And Jesus says, I can heal that. I can heal that. I say, Lord, you can heal that? He said, yeah, man, I can heal that. I'll give my blood to purchase your healing. So Jesus allowed those thorns to be pushed into his head and he allowed the blood to flow all the time all he would have had to say is angel, angel, angel and at any moment 10,000 angels would have come to his rescue the Bible says but he chose to heal me instead so I can spend the rest of my life Dealing with issues, thinking wrong, letting past betrayals control my life. I can spend the rest of my life doing that. Or I can let Jesus heal me. Because just because He did it doesn't mean I can receive it. You see, I, I have to let Him. I have to accept Him. I have to say, yes, Lord, what you did for me. I'll take it. Well, let me skip all the others. We certainly have the whipping post of the blood. We certainly have the walk of Calvary toting that heavy cross and crushing to the ground underneath it, the Bible says. It was a little it was a little trail of blood all the way up Gogotha where Jesus struggled to carry it. And to where his strength gave out. The Bible says he fell beneath it. But see, he knew that my strength was going to run out too. And Jesus knew that I would be in those times where I couldn't make it through it. (laughs) It's just like the runner running the race. And right before he crosses the finish line, he gets so tired. And so right before he crosses the line, he's he's clawing to get across the line, but no more strength. Jesus said, I see you. I can help you. So I will struggle with your struggle. That's what Jesus did. He struggled with my struggle. Because it was my crossing. He struggled so I could be strengthened. With his strength. So in those moments. That I feel so weak. And then we could. Certainly I would love to talk about. The shedding of the blood. On the cross itself. The hands and the feet. And what that meant. And the power of God's forgiveness. Oh, I tell you what. You know you that argue with God. That you didn't sin. You're missing life. 
You're just missing the joy of life, man. If the Lord is any way convicting you, say, okay, God, <laughs> I need your blood. Quit fighting with life. Allow God's help that God has given to you to be used. When you simply mess up, look up and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. There's some right now that you've messed up. But you need to receive His forgiveness. I just want to see how many would be bold enough to stand up right where you're seated. Would you, if you, if you say, Jerry, I've just messed up. I need the Lord's forgiveness in my life. Would you, would you mind doing that? I mean, we, Jesus stood, stood up for us and why don't we stand up for him? Lord, I messed up. See, I can fight. I can fight to prove I'm right. And live wrong all my life. I, I can fight. I can struggle. I can let pride rule my life. I don't have to understand it, but I do have to receive it. And we're fixing to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord. Of what that blood that he shed when he was literally hanging on the cross, that we're going to receive it, the benefit of it today. Because every place that Jesus fled, he did that so we could receive the benefit. But as you quickly stand there, I, I want you to just one more thing. And I'm going to ask my, my prayer leaders, if you would, to come on to the front and just turn around and face the congregation, if you would. There's one other thing I want to mention. That, I, that the Lord sent me here to tell you today. There's a seven things that major things, but I call this the and. See, because the devil has buffaloed some of your lives, like he's done me on numerous occasions. He's buffaloed me and convinced me. Of things that are so wrong. And the devil has put fear in people's lives that either they can't live with something or they can't live without something or, or they've got to be that way. And I'm just here to tell you the last thing that Jesus' blood did, it defeated that rascal that's against you. The Lord wanted me to tell you today that His blood has spoiled principalities and powers and has made a public show of them. What that means is the last thing that Jesus did with His blood. You remember when He came out of the tomb and you remember Mary was wanting to touch Him? He said, don't touch me. I haven't yet ascended. Well, then the New Testament gives us glimpses of what happened. Jesus ascended with his blood. Because, see, Jesus knew that the devil accused us night and day. But Jesus walked in with that blood. And the Bible says he poured it out 
in the holy, heavenly place. What that did was something miraculous happened. The devil was defeated. And although the devil may try to buffalo your life and convince you he can make you and and he tries to lie to you, I'm here to tell you, God sent me here to tell you today, the devil is defeated through the power of the blood of Jesus. And all of that bondage that the devil's tried to convince you that you can't get out of, Jesus wanted me to tell you that rascal is dead. He has no power over you. All he can do is lie to you. But the very moment that you will make a stand against him, the very moment that next time he's trying to force you, prize you, push you into something, honey, you just stand up and say, not so, devil, because the blood of Jesus is in my life. And you can have the, power. the Bible says that Jesus has given us power and authority over all of the power of the enemy. Well, let's get forgiveness working. Lord, in Jesus' name, just whisper this in your heart or something similar in your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I failed. I've messed up many, many times, Lord. I'm not here, God, to try to prove I'm right. I'm not, I'm not here, God, to try to prove you're wrong. I'm here, Lord, to receive your blood of forgiveness today. And the Bible says, Lord, that if I will confess my sin, that you will be faithful and just to forgive me my sin. And not only will you forgive me, but you'll cleanse that stuff out of me. That what I could not get out of me, your blood would drive it out of me. That what I could not get free of, your blood will cleanse that out of my life. So right now, Lord, I may not understand it, but I can receive it. Because I understand a little bit about your love, Lord. And right now, by faith, I receive your forgiveness in my life now take just a moment be thankful to the Lord be awed by God and look back at me now just one other thing I need you to say it's hard it goes like this ha 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 devil ha 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 devil Ha, 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 devil. You lost me. You lost me. You lost me, devil. Ha, ha, ha. Now, uh, you may be here this morning and you need the power of the blood through healing and deliverance in many of the other ways that I didn't even get to talk about today. And the Bible says that you can call for the elders of a church and they can pray with you. So that's why these people are here today. They're standing down front. Uh, Stephen Yarborough is going to close us out with a song. And as he does, if you need prayer, man, don't let anything hold you back. If you're going through something in your life, the Bible says there's some things that happen that it takes two or more to agree. To do. And so, if you need prayer, then during this song, instead of you singing it, you come down and let one of these just spend. They won't pry. They're just going to simply pray with you. And ask God to help you. Amen.
close this scene. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus over you in your hurt, in your sorrow. I ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. Desperation, and I seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change.
Jesus' name, we give you the glory. Amen.